So the Kim K effect, 11 grand. 11 grand, yeah. Not, so nice well. sale on top of everything else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a bother. Very good. Petty cash, darling. Jahora, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Architects of Business made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where you hear the inspirational stories of some of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Sonia Lennon, broadcasting remotely from my home at this time. And on this week's show, I chat with husband and wife team Dan and Linda Kiley, who recently exited their Cork-based business BoxPro for in excess of 100 million euro. They talk to me about closing the big deal and how Kim Kardashian has brought her influence to bear on their portfolio. If you haven't already done so, click the link to get new shows directly into your feed. Dan and Linda Kiley from Vox Pro, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Um, I say Dan and Linda Kiley from Vox Pro, but uh, that isn't entirely true because the span of your empire is increasing on a daily basis. And the story of you and VoxPro is an extraordinary one. You are truly um, inspirational. And we talk all the time about inspirational entrepreneurs. Uh, Your story is compelling. Um, It is full of mystery and uh, amazing stories. Guys, I'm going to ask you because I ask everybody. And Linda, I'm going to come to you first. entrepreneurs are born and fostered uh where did this come from where did this entrepreneurial spark come from probably my aunt you know she was a great lady she worked till she was 75 she ran her own fruit and veg wholesale and her husband died at 47 and nobody of her generation would ever have been expected to work at all so if I looked to anybody, I'd look at her. She was a, she went to town every day until she was 95, even though she couldn't see. She was so, so good Someone to tells everybody. me, Linda, you'll be doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and and did, you work, did you work with your aunt? Yeah, after school, like we'd go up and do fill potatoes and she'd give you two and six that was in the day. And we'd go all the way down the North Main Street until we had it spent, you know, so like we didn't get home. Nobody ever worried whether we turn up or not, you know. Times were a lot probably harder and easier, you know. Yeah. And and, and what do you think that gave you then that first, uh, presumably that was at a very early age? Mm, yeah. Uh, the ability to see that a woman could make it, I'd say. Wow. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. So if your aunt had been your uncle, it might have been a different story. He was a bit of a... (laughs) (laughs) He had a a timely heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't say anything about that. We'll leave him to rest in peace. Dan, what about you? What was was the sort of uh, the nudge into entrepreneurship? You know, like it's kind of strange story. When I I went to Colostro Priestry as a a kid, and I remember there was this woman who was selling scones over the back of her, her, her backyard wall to, to the students. And I just thought that was such a cool idea for, for a woman to, a housewife to be making money from 
from um, selling scones and that kind of kind of flicked a switch in my head and said, you know, I mean, like I kind of I really want to do something and work for myself, you know. So and what what age would that have been at then? I was only maybe 12, 13. Wow. So wow. when I saw her entrepreneurial spirit, um, I thought that was amazing just to see somebody doing that to make and doing I like um from her backyard was kind of inspirational to me. It's it's lovely that both of you were inspired very early by uh, female entrepreneurs. Uh, speaking from my own perspective, that's that's lovely to hear. And Dan, after school, then what was the early career journey? So after um, after school, I went to um, the, um, the it was known as the what, CIT, and it's not as it's known as it's known now. Um, it was the uh, I think it was a technical college. It was called back in the day. So I went there and did business studies. Which, by the way, um. The only thing that I learned of, of um, after spending three years there was how to read a balance sheet. That was it. Three years to learn that. And so well, I, yeah. good to know, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> so that was that was really about the sum total of you know what academia um, brought to me. So I went from there, and then like I'd always worked. So I had my first job when I was I think I was four, 13, 14, um, collecting trolleys in in a soup supermarket in Cork and then I went from there to uh, collecting glasses in a bar and working bars during the entire time that I was in school and when I was in uh, going to college as well so um like uh, the work ethic was always uh, I don't know my parents were very hard working as well both my mum and dad worked and so I learned I got that from them and from there then I met um I walked into the offices of the Cork Examiner and out walked this amazingly uh, charismatic Amazonian beautiful um, uh, woman and she, she asked me was I, uh, was I here for the interview and, and I the happy that, tablet and I knew when I saw her on that particular day that I was going to marry her so and I was wow I was 20 I think I was 23 uh, 22 or 23 I can't remember which you know, at this point in time so needless to say I got the job um, I don't think Linda would have been would have picked me if she had she had, had the final choice but because You're right. wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't wasn't a reciprocated feeling at that back in the back in the day, um. So we were, we went on and um, worked on a magazine called Cork Scene, which was really like the Hello magazine of, of, of its day in terms of it was all about you know events of who's who in Cork, what's happening in Cork, and it was really very very like innovative of its time. It was just probably you know uh, too early in terms of its and. Uh, Inception, but was amazing to uh, fun to work with, um, and we had a we had a, a, the most amazing time. Uh, spent I think in, uh, three years together, and we fell in love in the process. So, but also most importantly, um, well not most importantly, um, falling in love was most the most important thing. But it was we both discovered that we really wanted to do something for ourselves, um, and so Cork scene wasn't yours. You you oh. were seconded into it. We were working with the examiner owned Cork scene and we were actually working for them. So um, and then we figured out that we wanted to do something together, which was um, that's where the journey began. And and Linda, was it always publishing that you were involved with or was there anything before that? I have a totally different story. I was telling you, I had two children at my 21st. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I was early off the trap, uh, out of the traps. So I wow. met my first husband when I was 13 and um, I had a son and a daughter 
by the time I was 18. So uh, I remember going back to my father and I said, well, I'll go back now and do that law degree. And he said, you can go. And so I said, and right back at you. And I went away and did marketing by night. So I was wow. driven, you know, very driven. That's extraordinary. So I worked and ran three pubs. Uh, my brother-in-law uh, was the investor with the then state solicitor. So I went from going in for two or three hours to firing, firing. And I learned more, actually, in that role um, than I did anywhere in my life. We were off to two hospitals. There were people escaping every day. Babies coming. We knew somebody had cancer before the person did. It was really like a high. Wow. And the poor people that would come in from the blind uh, home down the road would be in and out. It taught me everything. I'd say I know that people were lonely. What an alcoholic was, you know. Things I'd never have picked up. In so you both you both had this kind of grounding in in hospitality and publishing. And it's funny because, you know, anybody who I talk to who has had that kind of foothold in hospitality, you really get to understand psychology, I suppose, more than anything else. More than anything you could ever learn. You know, so, so you, you come together, you come together as this kind of already extraordinary backstory, Dan mm. displaying all the true tenacity and persistence of an entrepreneur to bag his fabulous wife. And, and now you're, you're sort of in, imbued with this spirit that you know you want to do something. Like, how do you, how do you filter that desire into a business at that point? I don't think that you kind of preempted like by having such a major plan and um, the opportunity arose to buy the business and I remortgaged my husband was 18 percent so we were ready I'd already done two other startups with other people that failed so like I've been through so many recessions I could write the book I'd say you know so uh, Vox Pro was an existing company that you yeah, it was a, a paging company, a paging company, the old paging company called Page Boy, which was a great lifestyle, great service that was provided for since 1973. Yeah. So, and did you know when life. you, yeah, yeah, did you know when you bought it that it was going to have to completely repurpose itself? Certainly. So, so, so what was what was the vision around that then, Dan? Well, it was like, like I was uh, I was running Page Boy in, in Munster um, for about a year before we actually bought it, and like I was very frustrated about you know I mean what I could what I couldn't do with it because I was obviously reporting it to somebody who had a, a different vision for than um, and it was his all about his vision, but I really believed that if I you know I was in like if I if I owned the business that I could take it to the next level and the next level was for me was to, was to you know pivot into um, text messaging SMS messaging and bureau type call, call answering services which um the previous owner wouldn't wouldn't have been open to so I um I he he and I did a deal to buy to buy the business and Linda um was is the, who's the real entrepreneur when you think about it I mean she was the one with the asset in terms of she remortgaged her, her family home and that takes balls 
um, at, and particularly when the, with the rates of uh, the mortgage rates at eighty percent, as she said. Um, so she was the one who took all the risk, and I, um, I was the one with the idea. And she, thankfully, she backed me. And uh, we but did. I suppose uh, to be fair, it's it's that marriage. <laughs> not just your 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 legal marriage but that marriage of the investment and the vision and the ability to act on it you kind of can't have one without the other i suppose linda not really <laughs> not really um i think that you know in our, in the early days it was a great little company it was up over clancy's and Mary river street you probably know the pub well when coming to court but you know paging was brilliant you weren't as accessible either, you know, you just mm. took the message and made the call back. If So it was, we were mostly emergency services, doctors, um, the sole trader, you know, who didn't have a back office. It was yeah. great, great fun. You know? So it was really the first mobile comms that was out there. For sure. That's was, for sure. Yeah. Back, back in the day was like, believe it or not, when like I was, it was cutting edge technology in That's terms of, you know, I mean, it was, it was the thing to have a, a page or back in the day. And I mean, I think the, the amount of time now I spend on social media and uh, in, in like in the present day, God, the freedom of um, just being, just having a pager and then getting a message and saying, oh, yeah, I'll contact that person when I'm ready, you know, which is just, just constantly kind of on devices. Now it's just, uh, oh, well, the world has changed. It's just been incredible, you know. That was a scheduled ping there to show that we're all yeah. on social media, right? <laughs> <laughs> we organized that one especially. <laughs> and so tell me, because, because okay, you start with six people and I'm sure you started with two people before you started with six. Oh no, because oh, you bought it, so it started with six people. Mm-hmm. So you, you have six people above a pub and in the blink of an eye, you're turning over in excess of 90 million euro a year. So... How clear was the vision? Because that just doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't. And you know what? Like if someone had, like I remember when we were, you know, we were doing um, 20 grand a month, right? Which is like, I thought that was a fortune back in the day. And like we thought that was the definition of a a successful business and we were profitable. And and then if someone had said to me that you're going to, you're going to, when you leave Oxbro, have revenues in uh, in, excess, in excess of two hundred twenty five million. I would have laughed. So that's just not possible. But like, so going from twenty one grand a month to two, to a quarter of a billion in um, it was just an extraordinary journey. You know that I wouldn't have been uh, quite honestly if someone had said to me I would have laughed. So Linda, I'm I'm going to ask you how how did you do it? How did you how did you make the business so successful? Well, you're only as good as your team, as you know. But I can certainly assure you, Sonia, it was a white knuckle ride. <laughs> you know, there was nothing easy about this. Like, you know, every time something went wrong, the banks withdrew our credit. And, you know, there were so many different aspects that went on in the world between the builders running away and properties. And it was the normal person paid for it, you know, that had big staff. and so. You know, we were to, had our backs to the wall so often. It was quite frightening. So um, I was good at kind of solving problems. Absolutely. So I have to say, right, look, um, Linda is 
like if you need if you if there's a crisis you need Linda in, in your life because she always she's a solution driven um, um lady and we had so many white knuckle rides as Linda said and, and we were you know, almost fell off a cliff three times and each time we were close to the edges of a cliff Linda came up with the solution so um she's very so, very so what were what what were those times? Because in 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 my experience, I don't know. There's a great phrase that was used by um, uh, Ben Horowitz, uh, the the U.S. investor Ben Horowitz, um, and he. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how um, how detailed I can explain it, but it's called a WIFIO. Have you heard of this? No. So it stands for "We're bleeped, it's over," and yeah. he says and that we every every. Yeah, every business has at least three WIFIOs wow. in its lifetime. Wow. And that each 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 WIFIO, when it comes, is is worse than the previous one, easier to handle, and the stakes are higher. So you get sort of slightly used to this idea of of crisis point and, and you're you're almost more ready for it as they come. Was that your experience? Linda? We're never quite ready for it, honey. <laughs> it's shocking. Um no, I say, you know, game face on for work and sleepless nights and trying to resolve cash flows. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because, I mean, one of the times I think we had 600 people out in the call centre and they were just quite willing to put them on the dole, you know, for the sake of extending the you know, peaks and valleys, you know, the cash flow as well. Yeah. So. And so, Dan, what what was the um, I suppose what was the key inflection point, or were there a few key inflection points for the business where where things mm. just took a massive leap forward for you? Yeah, without, without doubt, um, the, the, um, the biggest inflection point came when we when we won Google as a as a as a customer back in in two thousand and uh, two thousand and eight. That was a game changer because. Like we pivoted from just um, um, SMEs in, in in Ireland um, into um, um, specialising in um, in tech and F, uh, F, focus on FDI. So Google was definitely a game changer. We started off with a team of twelve people in two thousand and eight, which quickly went to three hundred and sixty people over the space of eleven months, and that was. The catalyst for us to set up operations in San Francisco. We opened an office there, I think there's a marketing office there, and we had a, a major calling card that we could, uh, could talk to the tech companies in Silicon Valley that Google was was um, or uh, was was our client, and so that was definitely the game, uh, a huge game changer. If, if it wasn't for pivoting in, into um, uh, dealing with tech companies and FDI, we would have been dealing, still dealing with um, SMEs in Ireland. Actually, that wouldn't have been a sustainable model anyway. We would have gone out of business, yeah. but Google yeah. was a game changer for all. And, and Linda, can you just explain, because, um, you know, you're not a, a, a consumer-facing business. No. So just for our listeners, maybe explain the services that BoxPro Box uh, uh, sold into Google. Well, funnily enough, um, one of the guys had a pager and had always got great service from us. So that was a plus. So we went into Google Enterprises, um, AdWords, um, all different, and they all, all have a different share hold minding them. So like 
you have to perform at each level to get the next contract. But you're basically a customer service for sure platform. For yeah. sure. And that like that encompasses everything from we started off just, uh, doing um tech support for Google G Suite right. and that quickly pivoted into trust and safety, content uh, content moderation, uh inside sales. So we literally just built up our our um our service offering over a period of time, but Google was the was the was the one that we were able to kind of um, expand our service uh, portfolio with big time. Excellent. And so, presumably, then when you enter a new territory, there are challenges wrapped up in that and and a new way of working, Linda. That's true. Like it's all about building the relationships, Anya. Yeah. You know, Dan and I went over to San Fran. I suppose every four to five weeks on Monday back on Friday. That's hard going. Um, they're hard going as well but uh, it takes about three years to get a contract you know they just don't rock in like um, so people that have expectation of it being easy like would want to you know just put the thought none of it's easy right if it was easy we'd all be doing it exactly and (laughs) you're socialising then four nights a week like when they come over you'd be absolutely shattered But I I believe that the EY Entrepreneur of the Year um, event actually played a pivotal role in a key relationship for for you, Dan. Is that right? uh, To Linda's point there, there there is no such thing as an overnight success. And if you think uh, like a company like Stripe, who we're working with, we have 380 people in Cork that are supporting um, Stripe across the globe. So that contract started off, I met Patrick Colson at an event in Palo Alto in uh, California. And went up and yeah. myself and, and and it went from, from there. And during the Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, we had just started a small pilot with Stripe in Cork. And I met um, at the, the drinks reception beforehand. I had uh, I shared a glass of, of, of bubbly with um, with John Collison actually, and it, we 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 briefly discussed the pilot. Now that certainly didn't hurt. Or chances of expanding that pilot. That who, I had. who paid for the champagne, Dan? Ey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that could put them on the cap table. You have to be very careful. <laughs> well, yeah. And also, by the way, it, it was uh, I, the champagne helped build from six to three hundred and eighty. So, um, thank you, Ey, for the champagne. Amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. So, um, you. Are a husband and wife team. I mean, and and you are obviously um, completely consolidated as humans and as business people. That must bring its own challenges, Linda. To say the least, <laughs> it's very difficult, actually. Uh, but you know, at the start we were, I suppose, driven together. But the more diluted and bigger the company gets, the more um, opinions that are more valuable than, say, us staying as tight. But we worked around it, you know. He hired them, I fired them. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the way it was, Dan? I I don't think there's any... um... any upside of me disagreeing with that. So I'm going to go and I'm going to just kind of, uh, like, abstain. But one of the things that has been... Like, like, Linda, as I said to you before, is really brave and and make and takes very brave decisions but like she for a long time was the, the sole female on, on our board which 
I have no doubt when I look back and it was a really difficult place to be when you have got, you know, predominantly men and, you know, and um, one of the best decisions we ever made was to, to appoint two more women to the board. And I, that has been one of the catalysts of our success. So we, Louise Phelan was our first appointee and then Sonia Flynn uh, from ex-PayPal and then we, uh, Sonia Flynn from uh, ex-Google, ex-Facebook um, came on board and it literally was transformative in terms of the way the company scale, scaled and grew because we had um, we had we had more much much more diversity and uh, dif- um, on, on the no question about that and I would urge anyone who's uh, in business today to look at the boards and see how look and look at the data and see how successful companies are and and, and, and become when they have you know I mean diversity on on the board, on, on their leadership team and and, and on the boards so one of the things for me post Fox Pros I'm I'm very passionate about you know, um, I describe myself as an, a very proud Irish feminist. I think that you know, fostering female entrepreneurs is something that I really, really want to want to want to work with into the future. Dan, always so heartening um, to to hear a man who who understands the power of diversity in a business, not only for its culture but for its bottom line. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to hear the amazing story of Vox Pro's sale. The architects of business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Dan and Linda Kylie, uh, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, Dan, you, through your vision, and Linda, through her investment, um, have created this entity, VoxPro, um, that is thriving. It's moved from six people above a pub um, to become a major international business. Um, at this stage, uh, you become, dare I say, irresistible to investment. Yeah, look, it's, it's been an interesting journey because look, we got to revenues of close to 100 million without taking any investment in. I don't know how we achieved that. I think... If I was to put it into one kind of, uh, yeah, I, I would say through Linda's, <laughs> Linda's t- tenacity, she always had this thing where, uh, not to give away equity. And she uh, had that mantra throughout our business journey. So we got to revenues of 100 million without um, investment. And it was um, you know, like it was a really, really difficult thing to do. But at the same time, when it came to exit, we were the sole shareholders in the company, which is a great place to be. It's an extraordinary place to be. It's extremely rare, right? Yeah. Um, and would, would I advise it? Again, um, probably not. I mean, because um, the amount of risk you take and the amount of personal sacrifices you have to make. Like, for instance, Linda um, um, re- had to cash in her pension at one point in time when there was zero credit available to buy, to purchase a, a global phone system, right, uh, in the cloud. And that one of my friends said to me, "That's a step too far. You're you're, you're really gone too far now when you're actually taking our pension." But she insisted on, on taking it rather than taking investment in. So, but but that, Linda, you must have truly believed in the vision at that point to make a decision like that. Yeah, we'd had so many glitches, Sonia. That like, you know, I I remember we were waiting to be wound up, and they were trying to get me to give 20% sharehold to a guy who'd been very well paid and I said sure if it's worth nothing why give it 
So I, I held tough and I remembered something actually that I learned in the pubs, that if you're running into any cash flow difficulties, if you flag with the revenue early enough and we'd never ever defaulted, that they were very, and they were exceptional. So they put the glitch in our cash flow over nine months. We paid until that month came. And I'd always give a shout out to them because, you know, everybody's afraid of them. But if you communicate, you do very well. That's amazing. Amazing. So So that was how we held it. By communication, really, that you're you're willing to to stand up and be counted. Yeah. 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 We made all through communication, I'd say, you know. That's interesting. That's what we do. Like we're good at building relationships and looking after them. That's I, all I business that's a, comes down to that, I suppose. There's no question about it. Someone asked, to ask me what is the key to a success in business. The one in my top three for sure would be relationships because, you know, the old kind of um, adage, people buy from people. And that is one of the things we really worked hard on. And and on my Vox, on our Voxboard journey, our, 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 our partners or our customers, um, if, you, if you like, that's have become good. really good friends. So we're friends with a lot with, uh, with a lot of our customers to this day, and we would see a lot of them socially, and especially now that we're we're not operationally involved in the business anymore. So relationships are critical to any business for sure. <coughs> so so t- tell us about tell us. <laughs> yeah. So Linda and I met the CEO of Tell Us back into in March two thousand and ten. So he and and um, Telus Industries are who? They're well. It's Telus International. Telus International. Excuse me. Yeah. Um. They're you know they're they were in the same business as us, and they just won uh, a Google contract. And a, a guy called Peter Scottamara out in Silicon Valley said, "If you want to see what good looks like from a, um, a customer experience and tech support point of view, you've got to go and meet this this couple in in, in Ireland." And this guy called Jeff Purit, uh, who was the CEO of Telus International, flew in, and we met, had dinner, and we took him to some of them, uh, the the some of the late night pubs in Cork, and we immediately gelled. Right, we liked each other. You got, got him drunk, other. Dan, is what happened. You got, you know, <laughs> that always works too, by the way. You don't have to <laughs> handcuff him, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Difficult to get him drunk if he can hold his drink. Um, but so we immediately clicked with them and then we kept in contact afterwards. And I think that was the key to the sale, right? We He kept on met, sniffing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we met his wife, we met his family, we I we as a couple we found out what his core values uh, were, what what he stood for as a person, what he stood for as a businessman. And that was critical for us um, when we made the decision that we were going to um, get married to Ti in in in, uh, in in effect, really. And so we knew him very well. We knew I knew what I was buying. He knew what he was buying. We got along, and I knew we'd get along afterwards. So that was the um, you know the clincher. Mm. Yeah, and, and Linda. So yeah, go for it, Dan. I don't think we could have sold the business to uh, anyone else but Ti because. It was our baby, and like we wouldn't have given away our baby mm-hmm. to a big um, corporate company with you know with a corporate structure. So it was important that we found the right uh, the right partner to get married to. So, so Linda, can I ask you then? Obviously, you did a sort of a values analysis of TI. Um, it, 
at, at that stage, obviously, you have a very clear idea of your own values as an organization, and there must have been alignment there. So, so what are those values? Mm, it's all about uh, keeping the uh, team and the teams that we built out. I mean, you couldn't do this for as long as we did for money, Sonia. It's just so head-wrecking and, you know, it's a people industry, so there's always a, a daily problem. Um, if not problem. So if you, if you were to distill it into values, then you're talking about respect, inclusive leadership, communication. You can't work as hard as that for that length of time. And, you know, take such extraordinary uh, chances. And um, it affected all of us. You know, we were absolutely shattered. Uh, I often look back and wonder how we did it at all. Just but you did do it. Mm. Yeah, you did a, do it. And, and I have to say for EY, you know, that the promotion that we got through them in being in their finalists in 2013 was a huge marketing profile as well because we didn't win the international category but we got an awful lot of promotion yeah and um you can never get enough as you know so for and is it fair to say that uh, you know it's not just the promotion that that creates value out of the program it's the alumni i remember you know when we had the sale meeting um, Frank O'Neill, a tax expert from Cork. And, you know, I, I had 10 questions, like, and he said, like, you're not, I'm not going to answer any of them, Linda, because you've spent your finger with, in the dike for the last nearly 30 years. So I won't talk to you for two years. You know, and he was right. Amazing. Actually, because I was, like, more threatened by the result than, you are suffering post-traumatic at that stage, yeah. yeah. So, so Dan, let's talk about the the, the first um, major phase of indes- investment that Telus uh, uh, came into Voxpro with. How how did that happen, and what was the kind of um, you'd already built the relationship, as you said yourself, this person was was feeling you out. Um, so, so when that initial uh, investment round was was uh, sealed. How did that feel? Bizarre, actually. Um, it was, firstly, it, we closed the deal on the 16th of August, 2017, which was my birthday, and you couldn't make that up. So if there is going to be a book, that's going to uh, be a, a chapter. Um, we literally spent the morning in Dublin signing papers in William Fry's, and then we came to Cork and partied in Jack's restaurant till all hours of the morning. Uh, my birthday, Fantastic. so I was just thinking to myself, how am I going to top this next year? I mean, um, it's going to be a major letdown, but it was, it was, it was a, an interesting um, kind of, like, I wish I had reached out to the alumni in, in, EO, in EY and talked to people who'd been through the journey before, because it's, when, when, uh, once you achieve it, it's, mm-hmm. Then you find yourself, you know, I mean, you've given away your baby in effect for, I will, albeit for a lot of money, but at the And same it was time, a lot of money, right? So that first round, yeah. which is, I think it's in the public domain, isn't it? Um, was f- 55 million, was it? Yeah, uh, in, in around that, in around that number. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, but it is quite um, a different experience to going from being an entrepreneur 
charting your own destiny. I became overnight part of a global leadership team of a billion dollar company. And that's quite the transition. So I wish I had uh, reached, uh, reached out to people because there's been so many people on the journey and the EY alumni that have been on that journey before that I, that I could have, have helped in a major way. And I would urge anyone, by the way, who's going on that journey to talk to someone like me or, or others in the, in the community that have been through that process because it's a massive change to go from one thing into, a, into a, uh, another. So I have to say I found that um, quite challenging for the first three months until I figured out how, uh, how, how things worked and that I was part Dan, of Dan, what do you wish... What do you wish you knew going into that? Um, Politics, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I, I learned how to play them. Um, <laughs> um, I wish that, look, that, for instance, I mean, it comes down to, to numbers, no matter how big, um, deep the relationships are. So the first month, um, because we've been so busy um, focusing on trying to close the deal, our numbers tanked in the month of August, and then that created a, an avalanche of, like, you know, I mean, of control and um, and people from uh, from you know from the mothership kind of becoming more involved involved in the business and rightly so I mean they paid a lot of money for an asset and the first month month the numbers kind of dipped so I learned then that okay you first have year. to hit your, is the key thing you must hit your numbers if you want to be in control of your own destiny hit your numbers and that's the number one thing and we once we hit our numbers everything was fine. And it's a really tricky one because I think regardless of the size of your company and regardless of the size of the investment, that, that, close, that closing around, it, 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 it's another whole job. So it's very difficult to keep things moving at that point. But the, yeah, but the, 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 the story doesn't end there because that was the first half of, of a buyout. Um, yeah. t- tell us what happened next. So look, I remember actually a little nice sitting down and, and with a friend of ours who uh, he, who's a uh, serial entrepreneur. He said, "You've got to look at this and the money you've got now for the for, for the fifty five percent you've just sold as being your final check." And uh, that's the only way to think about it. He said, "You just got to uh, look at it that way and assume you're not going to get any more." So I'm hugely competitive by 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 nature. So I was okay. Um, I, I was not going to let that happen, and I was, I met, I was, I met the former um, CMO of Microsoft, a lady called Mitch Bork out in San Francisco, two friends, and I told her my story, and she turned around and said to me, "If you leave one penny, one dollar on the table of the of the rest of the money that you can earn, I'm going to come and get you." So I said, "Okay." So I took that literally, and I said, "Okay, I, I, I have two and a half years to ma- to maximize this opportunity, not just for me and Linda, but for." The, um, the team of people that had helped us build a business and that was really important to me that not only would I Linda and I um, make a lot make more money but more, our friends in the business would, would, would do well and that was the thing that spurred me on to do it and so rise all boats right yeah, yeah absolutely for mm-hmm. sure so Linda that two years then um, I can only imagine that it was about highly accelerated growth oh for sure and obviously um the first year we tanked. So those I said before, contracts take two to three years easily. So um, the next year, they all kind of came in the first quarter. If not second, definitely no, no longer. And, uh, you know, we were on a good run rate for the following year. 
and um, they took us out the 15th of December last Christmas. Lucky us. What a Christmas present, Dan, huh? Well, you know what? I, I cannot believe, I mean, I'm, I think we're the luckiest couple in Ireland because like, we, were, we weren't due to um, sell the remaining 45% until uh, the end of 2020. And I promise you, based on what has happened in the, the, the pandemic and what's going on in the economy now, the size of the check we'd have taken out this year in 2020 would have been a fraction of what we uh, what we made in December, for sure. So, like, serendipity played a big part in it. They approached us in October and said, are you interested in an accelerated earner? And I'm like, I said, this is a bit of left field because our numbers were on track. And so, basically, I, I said, what's motivating it? And they said, look, you know, um, where the, the, the last six to 12 months are always very fractious in an earner situation and let's leave while we're in love. We're kind of on part that way. That's amazing. So I said, okay. Mm. So I sat, sat down with Linda and I said, okay, they're, uh, um, they're interested in buying us out early. I said, what number would you take? And we bought, I said, write it down. And she wrote it down and I wrote it down. We went back and I said, yeah, we're, if we're interested, um, what, oh, if you meet us somewhere between what the company's worth now and what is potentially worth in 2020, 2020 we'd, we'd love to talk. And then they said, we're prepared to offer you X. And it was 4 million more than when both of us had written down. First time we've ever agreed on anything, by the way. So the number was the same. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up, we, we executed the deal on the 15th of December. And so, and who would have predicted the, the pandemic? And I mean, it's just like... I just feel so incredibly grateful that we managed to, to get out on the 15th of December, pretty much weeks before the pandemic started. So so, so the best Christmas present ever was basically a, a, a double down on, on the initial investment? Absolutely. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Oh. So it, in, a, in around the 100 million mark for, for a baby that you had built with six people over a pub. Well, it's, yeah, it's just been um, like just the most incredible journey. And someone said when we were starting, with, uh, uh, that, that was going to be the, the end result. But we laughed, but here we are, and uh, um, and I'm still an inspiration. I, I, I wouldn't say that, but um, I'm rem- I've remained on as a strategic advisor to the CEO of of TI, um, but that's very much a part time role, and um, which I'm enjoying very much. And uh, but it gives me the freedom to be able to do all with man. Uh, Linda and I do many other things as well, which is which is wonderful. And you have um, become uh, very active investors in other, uh, particularly Irish businesses. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and is that important to you that your portfolio is based out of Ireland? Give where you live, honey. Excellent. I love it. I love it. So your span of of interests are from vintage fashion, which yeah. which doesn't surprise me. Remote working, which yeah. doesn't surprise me, and and technology for content. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us I, a little bit about those businesses. So, um, the, the open for vintage is one of them. An amazing founder called Colin Saunders. I was just talking to him um, a week ago, and he's had the best month of uh, he's ever had uh, in in um, May in terms of like he's an online. Um, he's he's captured that sustainability piece in terms of high end fashion. So people are there's a great appetite out there now for people to buy. You know, I mean, to buy sustainable couture. And so he's selling uh, watches, bags, uh, vintage watches and bags on online and from stores all over the world, from Paris to Tokyo. And um, he, um, I think he's his 
uh, pivotal point was when Kim Kardashian bought a red Versace dress on uh, from his website, and that's been that'll do it, all right. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And did you gift it to her? How did it happen? No, I mean she, her, one of her stylists. I assume that she's got uh, uh, many of them have contacted um, uh, Open for Vintage and said she was interested in a red leather Versace uh, 1980s um, mini. Um, red leather and um but she insisted on paying for it because in no way did she want to endorse the um, the, the open for winter vintage, vintage site so um she did wear the dress to an event uh, i think i think it was the mini <laughs> in, <laughs> in october in la and but there was nothing to stop um the founder colin saunders posting it on um on his instagram because of course he is uh, her his feed wouldn't come wouldn't wouldn't come in contact with her so but it was a game changer sure. for her to, to, to have bought that, bought that and, and can I ask you then was that uh, garment live on the site or did Open for Vintage source it for her it was live on live. the site amazing yeah. amazing was so the Kim K effect yeah 11 Keep grand 11 grand yeah <laughs> nice sale on top of everything else yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a bother. Very good. Petty cash, darling. To <laughs> <laughs> her anyway. Yeah. And another one I think that, that, that I'm going to become more operationally involved in is a company called uh, Video Rank Me. And so basically, I believe that is going to change how we use the internet forever. It will eliminate the the, um, the need for websites um, and because it's all about video now. So in the States, Linda and I spent um, uh, four, three to four months in LA just after... Um, uh, from December onwards and the trend out there right now is that people are searching on YouTube not on Google search anymore because they if they, um so videos are really where it's where it's all about so this company that we're so involved- it's a big area of interest for me actually Dan so um we, we'll talk later yeah. we're we're uh, doing a huge amount of research in that area so yeah no it's fascinating but this this has this company has got technology and you know that and AI that will bring your company and your video to the top of Google search and, and YouTube search. So I think that's going to be a, a game changer and has a, a chance to go global. And we will be setting up operations over in, in LA very shortly around, around that particular business. But I'd love to chat to you offline. So I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so the other piece is remote working. And, and you of all people with your enormous workforce and your experience through COVID must have so much knowledge about uh, I suppose the future of work now and what that looks like Linda how, uh, how do you see things changing I think you know it, it's never going to be quite the same uh, people have learned about work-life balance a bit more as well which is very important yeah and um, the commuting you know for say two hours in the morning and two hours home is extraordinary for people to manage onto their working day so I think that it's a whole new era and, um, you know, we're just going to have to embrace and make it better for everybody. Yeah. Just to, just to give uh, context. Uh, yeah. Um, just, just Roxborough alone globally, right? Or sorry, TI globally, or have set a target um, that post-pandemic, that only 50, 57% of the workforce will come back to an office environment. The, the other um, 47 or 43% will, will permanently work from home. That's just, that's just TI now. 
So I, I think that trend is going to be right across the globe. That, that remote working is now is now the new norm for sure. And what do you think is going to happen with um, commercial spaces? Because this is this is there's a lot of um, mausoleums now that have been created um, that are no longer going to be inhabited. What do you think the future is there? Well, I think Sonia, you know, they never cut any slack with anybody, uh, ever, and it's been the landlord's way all the time. So, um, you know, can they be repurposed for housing? Can you know? They can they can? Uh, but like you know take a situation of anybody say moving to Dublin like you're paying premium cost for a room that you'd be paying for a mortgage in any other part of the country yeah so, like, like I, I spoke to an entrepreneur yesterday and he has he he was telling me that this is a kind of a nuclear option for his company it's a, uh, he's paying currently uh, 33,000 a month for uh, premium office space and plus rates and he said that he was able to kind of um, very successfully adapt his business to remote working and it makes sense for him to liquidate his company and start all over again um, rather than um because he's got a five-year lease and if he did that he's going to save close to two and a half million that's no unbelievable Dan and Linda, I, I, I feel like we're in the living room having a glass of wine now at this stage and I could talk to you all <laughs> day long you your story is extraordinary and genuinely, um, you know, I, I wish you the very best. Um, Thank you very much, Sonia. You, you are absolutely arch EY Entrepreneur of the Year alumni um, in what you've done and uh, enjoy every minute of it. Thank you. And we'll make that glass of wine happen soon. We will indeed. And it was a pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening and watching Architects of Business made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to the team here at Joe and of course to today's entrepreneurs, Dan and Linda Kiley. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to get new shows directly into your feed. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs.